This is Chris. And like still having power after a blizzard, this is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year to you, Colin. Welcome to 2018 friday january 5th 2018 to be exact we are back after some uh some holidays and some vacations um i was on the west coast really really yeah. how is the pacific northwest this time of year it is rainy <laughs> rainier it's true then it's true it is not a myth um <laughs> it is very rainy and very cloudy but there is a, a certain beauty to to that part of of the of the country. I definitely recommend people go out there. Maybe go in like the two weeks in August where it's actually nice, and then. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was still wonderful to be out there. Oh, that's so, awesome! That's yeah. awesome. The news lately has been crazy, and I've been sitting here, you know, getting through the holidays, and just like in the back of my mind, I can't help. But think, oh god, I can't wait to podcast. There's so much to talk about. Like every day, there's this new, like mind-bending, crazy story that like completely upends my 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 concept of reality that we need to talk about. And it's been like so many of these stories, one after another. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I've been incommunicado, a little cut off. Um, that's that's what happens when you're visiting family and lots of young kids running around, and you've watched the movie Sing five hundred times <laughs> it is important to do that though you gotta disconnect like you Absolutely. really gotta unplug yeah. from time to time or else no it was, it was it was wonderful yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good that's good last time we we did an episode you you kind of teased uh crypto uh mining yeah I, I have so i don't know if you wanted that. to talk talk more about that uh, sure or if you want sure. to save Let that me, but, i'll give um, i'll give i'll give the crew here a quick follow-up because it's been a really enlightening experience so i did set up some crypto mining on my main battle station at home, which, as you know, is a computer that rocks an AMD R9 380 for mm. a graphics card, which is actually a, a a pretty decent offering to to mine on. If you don't mind, of course, you know the <laughs> trauma that mining puts your GPU through. Right. <laughs> so what I did was I set up a uh, an Ethereum wallet, and I used a program called Ethminer to do so. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of caveats on, on Linux. In order to do so, you have to use AMD's proprietary GPU driver so you can get OpenCL support. Gotcha. And that's um, not hard. It's a tiny bit of a rigmarole to do so if you're not familiar with it. And it's a different process than their old uh, proprietary driver, the Radeon driver, used to work. So. For anybody who's who's played with that in the past, it's sort of a different process now. I dare say it's actually a lot easier, I think, but mm -hmm. your mileage may vary. However, once I got that part set up, taking part in a mining pool, which is you know predominantly what 
most people do these days since it's pretty difficult to uh yeah on your own to yeah. do so on your own a mining pool sort of distributes the compute power of cracking these problems as we verify the blockchain that was really really easy it's really once you get everything set up and installed it's a matter of just sort of pointing the software to the correct wallet and saying hey you just let a rip and eventually you are paid out incrementally in the cryptocurrency that you're mining so i chose ethereum at first and uh that was pretty cool i really like ethereum and in in a concept it's one of the cryptocurrencies that provides for smart contracts like we've discussed before mm -hmm. and a lot of the initial coin offerings that new cryptocurrencies and businesses in the blockchain realm uh, uh the platform that they use to to make these new offerings is often ethereum so i thought that was a really good place to start word some things have happened since then though that has, has sort of like really changed my opinion and mind about crypto going forward cryptocurrency going forward Sure. I'm convinced that the blockchain and cryptocurrency are here to stay. It is absolutely a fundamentally game-changing technology that we will all be interacting with going forward in some way, shape, or form. Right on. However, the raw compute barrier to entry and the now incredibly high price of verifying a transaction especially on the Bitcoin exchange, uh, Bitcoin market, makes me feel like the first wave of cryptocurrencies that we have seen are a little unattainable for most people. Definitely. Having spent, oh gosh, it was about three straight weeks that I let my battle station mine Ethereum. But there was a problem where we had a power outage at the end of that third week. And it took mm -hmm. a long time for the power to come back on and then even longer for me to get up and, and reconnect everything. You know, it's the winter. I have other things to sure. think about. <laughs> because of that, I was not awarded any of the Ethereum I had mined because I was disconnected I from the pool long enough that they just sort of move along. Interesting. When we're, whenever we're analyzing some big, you know, uh, movement in the world, business, an enterprise, what have you, we often, you know, you try to, to follow the money and see where that train of money will bring you. And that often will give you insight as to why certain things take place and, and what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the other big thing... Uh, in, in the crypto world. And yes, Bitcoin is super expensive and it's all over the place in terms of value, but that, that's, that's to be expected at this point. Sure. Most of the dark net underground markets that exist today, the sort of contemporaries of um, the contemporary versions of the Silk Road, <laughs> pretty much they have all moved on from the major cryptocurrencies that you've probably heard of. Yeah, they are accepting yeah, they things like Monero and Dash, which are newer cryptocurrencies that have way less barrier to entry. And I think that that is. That's likely the trend. 
not even that those cryptocurrencies in particular are the 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 be all end all i just mean from here on out particular cryptocurrencies are going to start to feel fill different niches that are more appropriate for the work that they're going to do rather than gotcha. there being, a little, sorry yeah yeah a little more bespoke exactly and that rather than there being this centralized clearinghouse which is kind of what bitcoin has become it just doesn't scale well and there are definitely alternatives out there so my focus is now going to be on mining monero right on which is um not to say that i'm planning on participating in darknet underground illegal purchases i just think that it's a much more sensible place if you actually want to take part in a day-to-day -day economy with cryptocurrency you know if you want to do a transaction in bitcoin you're talking about paying at least twenty dollars for the transaction fees now it was nuts it's, it's just it's just not for humans you know it's for it's it's for Bitcoin at this point is basically for massive investors, and that's about it. Yeah. So keep that in mind, I think, and, and, and I'm probably going to get shit for this. But as you go through life in the world over the next several weeks, months, and years, and you see new businesses come online that start offering you know, payments in, quote, in, in Bitcoin, quote unquote, I hate to say it, but that should give you an indication of how out of touch these companies are. <laughs> because at this point to accept bitcoin is is to say oh yeah i'm i'm a cool guy too see what i can do without really understanding that it's pretty consumer hostile <laughs> right on no that's a good point um i hadn't really thought of it from that angle um but you're absolutely right so that's it that's kind of my roundup on on crypto and it wasn't until i i was able to start mining that i kind of really got my head around the process of mining and sort of the greater, you know, social, political, business landscape of cryptocurrency and blockchain, Word. if that makes sense. So if anybody yeah. has any questions specifically about mining or you want to, you know, get started or want some tips about that, go ahead and email us at hello at shinypodcast.com. I'll, uh, I'll be happy to, to help you out. Right on. Well, want to get into the news? We've got a fair amount of uh, ground to cover Holy here. Holy shit, yeah. we're going to try to be snappy because we got a lot to cover. Indeed, 2018 is starting out with a sock to the face. But first, let's try to build the foundation of what's been going on since we last talked. Windows Store um, has, has nixed Google Chrome um, uh, at the sorry nixed the Google Chrome app uh, hours after it went live in um, in the Windows Store, um, so they've they've kicked it off, um, citing it doesn't uh, it doesn't line up with its app expectations for the store. It's not using the right whatever <laughs> you know all the things that Microsoft uses to qualify something for the Windows Store. Um, and they're saying that the Google Chrome app does not does not qualify. Uh, this sounds a little bit more like they just, you know, it seems a little pettier than that. <laughs> but it's pretty petty all the way around. Yeah, because the the app itself that ended up in the it's just an extension to their Google Chrome website. Right? Yeah, it's literally like a, like a link to the download page on Chrome on Google's right. website. Like it's not an app. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a link. It's, it's a redirect, which is hilarious to me. First, it's hilarious that that Google 
did that, like just had the the, the balls to say, yeah, yeah, sure, here you go. Here's a here's a Windows <laughs> app for you. <laughs> but then the you know Microsoft is like, this doesn't really meet our um, standards uh, for for an application. Yeah, it's because it's because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so these days on Windows, just like before, you're probably not going to download an app from the Windows Store. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. Has nothing changed. has changed. <laughs> Ever feel like your iPhone has slowed down with every subsequent release of iOS? I know I sure did. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I left <laughs> iOS a couple years ago. But it turns out same here. that it is absolutely true and baked into the operating system. There is a function of iOS that is able to read the performance of the battery and throttle the processor, throttle the, the, uh, the CPU accordingly to try to squeeze battery life out of the device. Now that sounds good in theory, except that means that it inherently slows down your device over time, and that slowdown right. is tied to a pretty volatile thing, the lifespan of a lithium-ion battery. It took a group of people who uh, were studying and, and uh, researching this and, and watching phone performance across multiple devices over time to to see this correlation and when called on it um apple apple eventually relented and started offering 29 dollar battery replacements for any <laughs> iphone user who is experiencing this slowdown no guys it's a feature not a bug <laughs> Uh, that should be on all of their marketing. Yeah. Just, just everything. It's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> not a bug. No. We, there's only, one port is all you need. <laughs> there's uh, rumblings and the beginnings of a class action lawsuit on this front, so they're certainly going to see more information about this going forward. But if you have felt crazy in the past because you know that your phone is not working the way that it used to, guess what? It's totally true. Yeah, and a bunch I mean a bunch of people did independent tests, including the writer of this mm -hmm. article. So yeah, it's not it's not just a one off or a fluke. I would like to talk about Amazon Echo. And I say this with a little apprehension, only because <laughs> I forget exactly what word it was that I just set my brand new Amazon Echo dot to, and I'm afraid of it going off during this broadcast. <laughs> After a battle in 2017 between all of the voice box devices, uh, Amazon's, Apple's, and Google's, Amazon's Echo still remains on top, and it is selling like gangbusters with new skills coming out every single week. In stark contrast to the next best lady box, lady voice box, <laughs> which is the Google Home. Yeah. <laughs> There's thousands more skills and abilities to um, the Echo, and sales really reflect that. I think that Amazon was first to market in the same way that Apple was first to market with the iPhone, mm -hmm. and so has really set the tone and conversation for this entire uh, for this entire subsection of the industry. Mm -hmm. Right on. 
And so, so you you have one now, and I, I did. Mean, what? It was like thirty bucks right before the holidays, so I just grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, what are you primarily using it for? I mean, what's what's attracted you to it? The coolest thing that I have experienced yet, and I I, I almost think I'm going to do a separate review later, just because it, it it's. In a lot of ways, the jury's out, I think, on on some features. Like, there sure. are some really ham-fisted, clumsy ways of, of interacting with this device that I really don't like. <laughs> and it requires some raw memorization on my part, which I really don't like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There are – sometimes the skills require you to – really remember a context like you have to tell it for instance there's a there's a, a podcast skill that i downloaded and i really like mm -hmm. but in order to control it you have to say something like hey amazon tell this app to do a thing and it's just kind of mm -hmm. clumsy so i don't love yeah. that but i am going to give you a live example of uh something that it does really really well and it really blows my mind. Uh, Alexa, play songs by Pretty Lights. Playing songs by Pretty Lights from Spotify. That was actually one of the slower, time, uh, slower uh, yeah. uh, times that it that it did that. Normally, it's a lot faster. Very cool. So for that feature alone of having full access to my Spotify library controlled over voice, it's pretty compelling. Alexa, stop playing. That alone was worth the $30, I think. No, that's amazing because the Google Assistant does not do that. It has a really hard time with that exact function that you just... Because I remember when I got my Pixel... Uh, I was trying to do that exact same thing, and it could not no. work it out. <laughs> no, and and yeah. I think that it's better, but like I found the 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 Google Assistant and the Home to be pretty good out of the box if you're trying to sort of control Internet of Things devices, right? Uh, it has mm -hmm. a, a more limited catalog of devices that it works with than the Echo, but I think that it does a, a mm -hmm. pretty good job of that stuff. Integration with if this then that really works well too. But just out of the gate, Amazon, I think, is about a year ahead of everybody in development and, and maturity sure. of these devices. And so it, it, it really shows. It really shows. So this year, um, there are some video games coming out. They tend to come out every year. With any luck. <laughs> um, but... Yes, with any luck, but uh, some some I, I feel like are are better than others. Um, you know, we've we've got a list in front of us of of some of the more um, well known ones, and uh, you know, maybe just a quick run through of, of what they are, and and you know, if if we're excited about it. Um, so uh, I think the one coming out most most quickly at the end of this month is Dragon Ball. Fighter Z. Um, I haven't been into Dragon Ball Z in a long time. Um, I will say though that some of the gameplay on this actually looks really? kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't, I, I don't play a lot of uh, fighting yeah. games, but it just looks so over the top, just like Jar Dragon Ball Z is. It's like this incredibly 
exaggerated animation and fighting sequences and it's just so ridiculous and and it looks like they just kind of poured that into into this fighting game and if you're into that sort of thing i think you're really going to enjoy it um probably not something i'll pick up but for for people who are into the franchise and into fighting games i think it's probably going to be fun it kind of looks like it it would be a great follow-up to a smash brothers night you know, totally. like, this is this Absolutely. is you want to like, OK, let's not I'm, t- I'm sick of Smash Brothers. But let's do something else. <laughs> let's play Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's that's coming out at the end of the month. Um, Monster Hunter World. That's not a title that I've ever played before. Um, not really familiar I mean, with this. It. A, isn't it a, uh, an old Game Boy game? Am I am I thinking correctly? Maybe I'm crazy, but I thought that that was an old like handheld game. Yeah, I, that's you know, I was thinking the same thing. I have no idea. <laughs> um, Far Cry Five um, has a new release of of late March. It was supposed to come out in late February, uh, but it got pushed back a month. Which takes place um, in Montana now. Yes, against um, uh, religious zealots of a a made up cult religion. Um, <laughs> in, infer your own conclusions from what it's referring to but um i um i i have a soft spot for the far cry series uh i i i will not say that it's a perfect game it's relatively repetitive over different iterations you know from um especially like far cry 3 to far cry 4 to to this one um i think some of the mechanics look a little bit different um it brought back the companion mechanic which is something that was featured in far cry 2 um it's probably a little bit different but uh it's it's there uh it just seems like an interesting setting and i'll probably pick it up on like a steam yeah, sale or something, yeah 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 we'll have to see i i this i i usually want uh, to pick up the far cries on a bit of a discount they're always fun, but yeah, that I, I do feel like at least the the last two Far Cry three and four. I know there was somewhere something in between there that was sort of like a. Oh, Blood Dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and Primal, too, right? Isn't there like another? Oh, yeah. And Primal. That's right. I forgot about Primal. there are a yeah. lot of fun, but I, I, I have always felt that they're kind of $30 games pretty much out of, yeah, <laughs> out of the gate. For sure. So when, when they hit that, I can see buying it. Yeah, no, agreed. As much as I, I have enjoyed the series in the past, yeah, I usually don't pay full price for them. One thing uh, that I could, it, if one little thing were to change, I could see paying, paying full price for this one. Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out. I'm dreaming, yeah. though, because guess what? This is not coming out for the PC. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Being released for PlayStation yeah. 4 and Xbox One, this is a prequel. A prequel, at least in story, to the original Red Dead Redemption, which is one of the coolest games that I've ever played. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. So that's due to come out um, it, sometime in the spring. And yeah, it's it's a bummer. I mean, it. it I really wish that Rockstar would not do that. <laughs> Keep it console exclusive. I, I understand all the reasons behind it. So they can make a ton of money off of having it sold on consoles forever and then have a PC port and then do it all over again. That does um, seem to be their MO. That's what they did with, yeah, it's what they did with Grand Theft Auto 5. And that so. remains a cash cow. I mean, the multiplayer online 
stuff is like they they make so much money on that yes they do yeah man um metro exodus um i don't know if you've played any of the, like, the metro I, games I, like I, I they're cool yeah so they're very ambient very uh very much puts you into this post-apocalyptic world in a way that like you know you think of fallout or or, or what's that other one wasteland by the, the original makers you, you think of like yeah. dropping you in and giving you tons of options actually these the, the metro games are pretty railroady but it's still such an immersive experience yeah no they're pretty cool and uh this this one looks interesting <laughs> i don't know it looks like it'll be pretty good um so the the website uh, the website that we're kind of running this list through has trailers for all these games. So yeah, link um, that in the show notes. Yeah, so this one, yeah, you looks like you you get out of the metro. <laughs> Finally. Finally. <laughs> um, VR is coming yeah. down the pipe. Valve is releasing some VR games that are as of yet unnamed. We don't really know much about them, but. Valve has been promising for a little while now that they're working on three complete standalone VR games. And it is thought that we will see those games this year. Yeah. Of course, we're all aware of Valve time. Right. <laughs> and the number three has been invoked in this conversation. And so I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Do you play those games? No, I've never touched them. I've never played one. I know people who who do enjoy them really enjoy them. They really are into that series. Yeah, it um, kind of feels like all or nothing with those games. Yeah, so um, that's a date to be announced. Um, we don't we don't know when that's coming out, uh, but that will also be a console exclusive. Um, just you know, PlayStation and Xbox only. Marvel Powers United VR. Well, I mean, I. I'm really waiting for as much as I like the concept of Star Trek Bridge Crew, that VR game that puts you on a on a bridge of of on the bridge of the Enterprise. I'm still really waiting for the killer app for VR. I really am. (laughs) And all gameplay that I've seen of like Fallout 4 VR or or even Bridge Crew, it's like this looks pretty cool, but I don't want to buy a vr setup to do this it's not it's not compelling enough yet but the concept of being a marvel superhero in a vr environment is uh pretty compelling i'd say yeah right on so we'll see how that goes um also to be announced um something called donut country well i'm sold (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not really sure what the what the game is about to be honest um it seems to be something referencing something back in 2012 um i'm not really aware of it but if you are enjoy it enjoy it (laughs) because it's coming out um anthem this i don't know this looks like another kind of um you know bioware i don't know weird multiplayer adventure that it, it just doesn't appeal to me at all um it looks a lot like destiny um which again yeah, is a game, game things like this especially after following up on our conversation from last last week with the uh last jedi release there's this uh, there's this bad thing that's happening at sea level of a lot of publishing companies and, and, and media companies and entertainment companies where they're like, look, if we design cool robo suits 
add a lot of exploding things, give them jetpacks, and make spaceships, then they'll it'll sell. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really seem to have a lot of content beyond that. Yeah. But maybe... Maybe, Maybe that's all you need. If yeah. uh, if PUBG is an indication, yeah. you don't really need to be too deep. <laughs> right on. So that's those are the the big um, big things that that were on the on the radar. Um, hopefully, there's some more announcements coming out because that that list, um, at least for me, is a little weak. But yeah, I agree. Red Dead is definitely up there. The Metro game is definitely up there for for things that are compelling and, and Far Cry I'll be interested in. But again, you know, well, maybe not quite at full price at launch. This desperately needs to happen. I really like I mean, I'm not trying to like fanboy a particular company here, but we need desperately a competitor, to have a, a real competitor to YouTube. Yeah, for sure, because Google's got that locked up tight. There is a. I don't want to give this guy too much, and I'm not even going to say his name, but there's a dickhead who went down to the suicide forest in Japan and found a body and tried and made a YouTube video about it recently. It's been all over the internet. And of course, it was monetized for quite a while, and his apology was monetized. <laughs> and given the fact that there's such there's such an uproar over things, you know, content on YouTube that is even mildly political or against the grain being demonetized without recourse and uh, all of the weirdness around Elsagate, which if you're not aware of, you should totally look up, but be prepared <laughs> for some for real weirdness. It is really disgusting to see how much clout YouTube really has, just how large it is and how they can seemingly basically get away with anything. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, no good. No good, no good. And so this article is citing some background details about what might be Amazon's incoming competitor to YouTube. They have filed two trademark requests with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office called for something called Amazon Tube and another thing called OpenTube. Now, there's not really much else beyond that. But... Given the recent push for their Echo devices to be able to talk to each other with video calling, given, I'm going to forget the name, but Amazon recently announced a Skype competitor, uh, like a Hangouts competitor app that allows mm -hmm. you to communicate, kind of like a Slack competitor as well, allows you to communicate over chat, voice, uh, video calling. Given that there's been so much movement in this realm, I actually think this is probably true. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, probably some maybe legal disputes in the future for them over that those names, but yeah. um, uh, but but uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I would say this is very real, and it makes sense. I mean, they're on that trajectory. Excuse me, trajectory, and they certainly have the infrastructure to do it. Totally. Though, of course, that's about to slow down by about thirty percent. <laughs> which we will get to later right <laughs> oh boy it, it's really upsetting to to feel like you're just in this you know sinking leaky ship when it comes to the security of of your information and you know yet again we have um a breach of 
some some sensitive data of about 120 million American households. Um, it was basically a database of. It sounds like it was, you know, it was it was like a, a marketing information, um, maybe something collected through census or you know, it was that kind of information like your address, ethnicity, interest and hobbies, incomes. Um, what kind of mortgage you may have, um, how many children are at the property, that there was a huge database that was just left open and, and it was compromised. It's, it's open. It's like no credentials to log into on the public internet. Correct. Really dumb. Just out there. <laughs> just, just like floating in the internet space. Yeah. Just like have at us. Yep. So it was a company called Alteryx. As an, an, a marketing analytics company, mm-hmm. um, and they bought this information from Experian. Oh, yeah, not Equifax, but Experian. But Experian, the one of the other major credit reporting agencies. Right. Yeah. Um, so they bought this information and did not secure it at all, whatsoever, mm. because in this country, in the United States. You don't have to. You don't have to. There are no laws requiring <laughs> companies that that store and obtain your pri- you know, sensitive inf- information. There's no laws requiring them to protect it, which is fucked up. Super <laughs> fucked. Super fucked. Remember that this November, ladies and gentlemen. This is outrageous. But yet again, not even the most outrageous thing that we're going to talk about today by a mile. <laughs> However, the FCC regulars on this show, uh, they keep denying and, and ignoring my request for an interview. I don't know if it's just getting <laughs> lost in you know voicemails. I'm sure they mean to re- respond. But um, the FCC is planning to redefine and weaken what broadband means so as you recall like there's this sort of statute on the books that says that the broadband must be available it's ignored completely but there's this sort of like line that we've drawn that broadband is something that actually allows you to access the internet at a speed that will let you pull about 1080p down and 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 use right (laughs) it's not much but it's something this will redefine broadband to mean a total of at least 10 megabits per second down and one megabit per second up unbelievable and that will be deemed good enough for american consumers so that um companies like at&t verizon and comcast do not need to expand or improve their infrastructure beyond those qualifications which remember we already paid for um under the previous definition of broadband uh 20 years ago so that's yeah. this this will predominantly and the, the ultimate irony here this will predominantly affect people in rural communities the same folks who voted for the people to allow this to happen oh the irony is astounding but it is no less sad there's your weekly fuck the fcc notice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go FCC yourself. Yeah. And I yeah, and, and I think one of the things that they're using to to justify this is that people are using cellular connections more often, but it's like people the amount of, of data that's being 
transferred across broadband, if you were to charge the same amount of money to do it over, um, over cellular, I mean, it would be thousands of dollars a month. Right. It's just, just insane. Right. And it, it, it's fundamentally flawed because as we all know, there's no shortage of bits out there. There's no scarcity yeah. in this realm. It's just it's, a matter we're of running having out. An, an inappropriate infrastructure that they never updated, but they did take our money to do so. That That's the problem. There really is no other problem but that. Like everything else that they tell you is not true and bullshit. Just always keep that in mind when we're talking about broadband in the United States is that we already paid for it with our taxes and they took the money and ran. Google is trying to fight fragmentation on Android. This is part of a, of a larger attempt to make Android a more cohesive ecosystem for developers and users, which, as we all know, it's a, it, it currently isn't. Right. <laughs> it's kind of all over the place in terms of what phones are getting what updates and if phones are getting patches and right. all of that. All of that stuff, all of that stuff, all of that stuff. When mm -hmm. you make an app for Android, you target what is called an API level. And that is correlated to a, an Android version. So it's not the same numbers, but like Android 8 is API level 26. And when you target that, you are it, it's a way of, of segmenting the features in every new version of Android so that you can say, okay, I'm targeting API level 26. I'm going to use all of these features. And I know that it's going to work on every Android 8 device. But the problem with that is it's not going to work necessarily on anything older than that. Right. Right. So a lot of people will perpetually target a much lower level uh, or a much lower API level uh, and, and, and write their applications to an older version of Android so that it can hit the most amount of devices possible. It makes a lot of sense when you look at it from you know, the raw economic point of view. But what it does is it perpetuates this fragmentation problem. So now Google is insisting that you will only be able to target the current and most immediately recent API level for all new accept, uh, 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 apps accepted into the Play Store going forward. Ultimately, that sounds like a good thing. Um, that would be good for security as well, right? Because people developing apps that are for you know malware purposes usually target older devices and older um older versions of androids because they're they're just more susceptible so that might be a little bit harder to do like i want this to happen and it feels good on paper but i think what's going to happen until this whole project treble new reality of android settles itself i honestly think that this is going to keep well-crafted apps out of the play store for a little while yeah I, I guess it depends on your point of you know, yeah your your pers your yeah your point of view you know whether you're a developer or a consumer mm -hmm. i think i think the pros and cons are different for right. which side of that you're on right and i mean it, it you know it, like i get it i i think that it's important that they make these moves i just think we're going to go through a little bit of a pain period over the next year totally. or two yeah absolutely as this stuff sort of comes online yeah, for sure. Oh, 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the one you have been waiting for. If you have been anywhere but under a rock in the last few days, you have heard of this massive set of exploits in the hardware, the hardware of chips, of CPUs that we all use. In fact, I've got several staring at me right now. Meltdown and Spectre are two exploits using the same basic hardware flaw. <laughs> you got stuck in my throat a little bit. <laughs> flaw. <laughs> it is a real flaw, guys. <laughs> that leave your devices open to some pretty serious attacks. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Basically, it, it the way I understand it is it gives somebody access to the kernel of your of your operating system. It gives somebody access to the protected areas of memory that the kernel is using to segment applications and processes right, on your computer. That's right, because it gets randomized and correct, and, and so this allows someone to um, see where all of that stuff is, is going as opposed to not being able to, correct. which is how it should be. Exactly. Generally, you want your applications to be pretty walled off in terms of access to greater information on your system. You know, one way or another, you had to log into your device. You had, you know, you, if you, if you're using it for life, there's things on that device that are sensitive. And we try to put forth a, an architecture that disallows from a very in a very basic level, applications and processes from sim be simply being able to see all of what your computer has under its purview and under its umbrella. This is good. This is what we want. You do not right. want, for instance, a web browser to have the same privileged access to the parts of memory that are storing your device password, right? Yep. That would be bad. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's exactly what this can do. Right. <laughs> it all focuses around this concept of speculative execution, okay? Speculative execution is a design. Remember, it, this is in the silicon of these chips, okay? It is, it is part of, of, the, of the physical device itself. This isn't a, a software problem. This is, this is built into the things, okay? And, and, and what speculative execution does is it tries to predict instructions and code that you're going to need before you need it. It tries to monitor what you're doing and what's going on and, and, and recognize patterns and then execute instructions ahead of time so that your experience is a faster one mm -hmm. it's a cool thing actually it's one of those sort of like holy moly we are in the future <laughs> technologies that this is this is a <laughs> thing we can do now there's there's really three flaws that combined make two exploits so mm -hmm. let's start with meltdown because i think that's the one that you're going to see more frequently and interact with more immediately. Gotcha. So meltdown affects just Intel chips, we believe. A lot of the information about this is still kind of sketchy and, 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 and weird because this information came out actually a week ahead of the embargo, oddly enough. 
This was also interesting. Yeah, this was all supposed to come out on uh, January 9th, Tuesday. When when big massive exploits and 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 bugs come out, there's this thing called responsible disclosure where companies secretly tell each other about these problems and give each other a chance to patch so that when they go public with the information, it's they're, they're not We've got a fix. Yeah, they have a fix. Nobody's caught with their pants down. So, this one was definitely released ahead of time and I'm not entirely sure where or who did that where that happened but that's also why some of this information has been really hard to pull together but hopefully your shiny podcast has done a good job of that so anyway meltdown affects intel chips only as far as we know meltdown is already been patched against in certain operating systems uh, windows 7 8 and 10 the latest version of mac os high sierra and uh, the latest Linux kernel, which will be backported to all of the distributions uh, by next week. Mm-hmm. So the patches are, are are inbound. What these patches do is, or what the, the the way that they're mitigating it is is a software redesign. So rather than allowing this speculative execution to happen in the way that it it normally does, rather than relying on the silicon itself for this process, they've built into the kernel workarounds basically workarounds that that Mm -hmm. do the work of the hardware in software this guarantees that those walls those 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 walls around the applications that we need to remain isolated uh that will that will work like this will mitigate the meltdown bug but the problem is we're looking at massive massive performance hits with this patch not every workload, but depending on what you're doing, you're, we're seeing between, you know, sometimes no effect, but up to 30% and more negative impact on the performance of the machine. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it's really bad. The worst degradation of performance comes from tasks that require more syscalls, system calls. So examples of applications that do that, virtualization, containerization, things like Docker, things like KVM and hypervisor, which are huge these days. I would warrant that the vast majority of the websites that you visit today are being served in a virtual machine. That specifically is going to be greatly affected by the meltdown patch. Yep. So as this rolls out, uh, next week we see all the major platforms, all the major uh, like like Amazon uh, Web Services and uh, Google Cloud Compute and others, they're all scheduling massive reboots of the entire infrastructure next week to patch <laughs> against this. And we shall see what the ultimate hit will be. But we're all prepared for a pretty big slowdown of the internet and our personal devices. And that really sucks. Yeah, absolutely. That's so fine. It's fine, Chris. I have an old computer, so I'm not affected by that. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately, no, Uh, this affects the last decade of Intel chips. There are certain chips actually dating back to uh, 1995. Okay. Yeah. Last two decades. Yeah. 
So we covered Meltdown. We should talk about Spectre as well because it's a different bug. Meltdown is something that you're going to see patches for and be uh, patched against relatively soon. Spectre, you never will. And guess what? It affects not just Intel, but AMD and ARM CPUs as well. Using a very similar but more difficult to exploit hardware vulnerability, Spectre, which is uh, derived from the term speculative uh, execution, breaks down the isolations between applications kind of like Meltdown. The problem with Spectre is the way it, 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 and without getting too much into the weeds on this one, the way that it's implemented is if you adhere to what are basically commonly known as best practices and standards of, of conduct when setting up systems, that actually makes you more susceptible to this problem. Man. <laughs> it's so messed up. It's so messed up. And there is no way to fix this. There's no way to change this. In fact, the only way to fix this is to buy brand new hardware that doesn't contain this bug. So realistically, what that means is we have to sit here and wait for the ARM holding group and AMD and and Intel to redesign their chips, fabricate those chips pass quality assurance on those chips and then mass produce and sell those chips to OEMs like Dell and Apple to then be included in your device. This is a very long process from here on out. Now we've described everything around these problems, what they are, who they affect, how many devices are affected. But I want to give you a real world example of, of, of how this exploit can be used. When I'm talking about the walls around the applications that you use being necessary to guard against critical information on your system, Mm -hmm. you have to remember that we all predominantly reside on the network now, and we use the web browser as one of the most, it's one of the most important applications on your, on your computer today. The really scary thing. There are proofs of concept of this exact attack. But because it breaks down the isolation of applications, you can become compromised via a JavaScript payload, which is to say that you can visit an infected website, load code on that website without ever getting a choice, and have this bug exploitable remotely you can be you can you can have the secure elements of the memory of your computer read remotely via this bug it's not easy and it requires a set of conditions that some people say are difficult to achieve i say nothing's impossible right (laughs) but that's why people are freaking out because this is so widespread my hope is that this really shifts up the way that we consume electronics and consume computing devices because we have a very serious situation with 90 percent of the world's compute coming from this one company and now we are all at great risk 
Included in the show notes, we're going to have like Intel statements on the whole thing, what AMD is saying. There's a bit of back and forth and drama over whether or not these uh, these are uh, a cross-platform problem. Uh, AMD seems to believe that the meltdown vulnerability does not affect their systems and that the uh, Spectre vulnerability is not nearly as bad on their hardware as it is on their competitors. I think time will tell. But the early indications show that the world is ready for AMD to get a little more money. Their stocks have skyrocketed. <laughs> yes, they have. Oh, and a little bow on, on, on this whole thing. The um, CEO of Intel sold several million dollars worth of stock about a day before this information became public. Not that that's you know tied or correlated at all, I'm sure. Totally a coincidence. I think it was more than several million. I think it was 23 million. Yeah, it, it was, was, it was, it was a 20, lot. 23 yeah. some odd million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's an insane amount of stock. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That is not a coincidence. That's pretty messed up. That's super messed up. It's it's catastrophic. I mean, like this is this is I feel like every time we come back with one of these like massive security stories, it, we're always like, wow, this is really bad. This is the big one. But I can't think of a worse problem, honestly, than this. Yeah. I mean, most of the world runs on this architecture. So, yeah. And to th I mean, I'm just thinking of the. I mean, as you meant, you know, the logistics of replacing all of that hardware, not software, hardware. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's catastrophic. I mean, I think that's the best word for it. It really is. <sighs> so good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the news, and if that's all you're here for, go ahead and turn us off. Or stick around for our deep dive. Guaranteed we'll be back next week with the latest and the greatest and sometimes the hated in gaming and technology. You can look us up on shinypodcast.com where you can subscribe to the latest shows and check out whatever else we're cooking up for you. Download the Shiny Podcast in all your favorite podcatching applications. And if you want to say hi or make a suggestion or just send us a hot tip on tech news, visit shinypodcast.com slash contact, fill out that form, or just email us directly at hello at shinypodcast.com. It is the new year, uh, and, and we were really hoping to get an episode out before the new year because we would really like to talk about our predictions for the year things that we think that we will see coming up uh you know uh, new technologies or new trends that sort of thing just what we you know what's on our mind what we think we're, we're going to start seeing more of so it does seem to be a tradition in the tech tech podcasting world does it not yeah no i would say so <laughs> it makes sense you know things that you're looking forward to or want to see don't want to see you know so makes sense feel like People in the tech industry tend to look forward. Yeah, we're always looking for the new shiny. Yeah, exactly. So why don't we go? Things... You want to go back oh, and yeah. forth like you do one, I do one, and then and then because I how many do you have? I have like four or five. Yeah, I've, I've probably about the same, and and mine are not especially mind blowing, but just little things. Um, Sometimes it's easier to to, to bet small, <laughs> big returns, yeah. bet small rather than <laughs> big risk. If you know what I mean. Yes, sir. So. One of the things that, that I, I really thought we were going to see this year is actually kind of already started to happen. I really, you know, the the uh, price of or the, the value of Bitcoin was going up and up and up and up and other cryptocurrencies were, you know, kind of doing the same. And, and you know, I really 
really thought that that bubble was going to burst really soon. Um, and it, it happened a little bit with Bitcoin because it was approaching 20,000 and now it's down to about 15,000. And some of, some of these larger cryptocurrencies have started to see some, some declines. Um, and so I thought that was going to happen later on this year, but it, it kind of happened right before, right before the new year. And I think the other trend that we're going to see, we actually already kind of talked about, was the use of maybe some more obscure cryptocurrencies because they are not so saturated. Yeah, I think I think that's totally true. I think you're totally yeah. right. Although I, I, I'm going to, can I put an asterisk at the end of that? Mm -hmm. I don't think Bitcoin will ever dip below ten thousand dollars per per unit ever again. Mm, right on. I really don't. I th I think with all of the big game players that got in, like the opening of the speculation market on on Bitcoin on Wall Street, I don't think that 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 Bitcoin itself will ever ever sink below ten grand per Bitcoin ever again. Right on. We'll, we'll find out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. All right. You go. I think I predict my first major prediction. I think the Linux desktop market share by browser will reach a total of four percent in 2018. Right on. We saw. Let's it, hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. We saw it rise to three percent in 2017, and it seems to be picking up steam. So I'm gonna conservatively say four percent 2018 by the end of it. Right on. That that's actually a little in line with one of mine. I think we're going to see more open source, um, just things, applications, um, technologies coming out. I think that that's going to be valued more, especially in light of net neutrality and and you know that kind of thing. Just kind of setting the mood for things being closed off. I think people are going to really push to have things stay open. So I think we're going to see more open source stuff. I agree. I agree. I feel like it's already happening in the development world, but I think that it's becoming a, a, a more of a concern for your average consumer nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. That's a good one. That's a good one. Is that your prediction or do you have another one? Yeah, that that was that was okay. Yeah, that was. I mean, I have more. But my yeah. my next prediction is, I think that Canonical, the company that makes Ubuntu, mm -hmm. is going to go public this year. Oh, right on. And and I'm 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 pretty sure I'm right about that because they they in all but name said as much. So <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, actually, that's right. I think we we touched on that um, a few episodes ago. Yeah, I bet you're right. Absolutely. I think. Um, so, so obviously, uh, cord cutting is is you know pe people are you know moving away from cable TV. I think we're going to see um, a lot more push towards towards that, like more than that we've seen before. And part of the reason is that uh, the the fidelity of um, of you know monitors and TVs is going up and up. Um, you know the the quality. I mean, I think LG is planning on showing a 8k tv at ces uh the you know next week so so with you know if you know we're, we're seeing i mean we talked about it earlier with the fcc reducing the you know the the um quality of broadband i mean you can only push so much video quality if your internet connection sucks so i think i don't know i think we might or if the the broadband and and you know the cable sucks so i might i, I don't know i think we might see you know, a really big push towards getting rid of cable um, and, and just having internet uh, because um, the, the, you can't 
push better visuals if I don't know your your cable connection isn't as good. I think you are totally on point with that. I really think so, and I think that part of this anti-net neutrality push at the top is an effort to treat internet and data like cable had been treated up until recently. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're absolutely on point. That's a good one. I Thank you. predict that Apple, and this is another really easy one, but I have a, 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 a an addendum to it that I think is going to make it interesting. Apple is going to ship some modular traditional PC style tower that standard hardware will work in. I mean, mm. I'm talking like standard motherboards, standard Intel processors, standard graphics cards that you can pull in or, or put in or pull out or do whatever you want yourself. RAM that you can upgrade. I think that that is coming. Interesting. And I think that a massive area where Apple is not seeing any action is in the AR VR space. Yeah, for sure. Several friends of mine in the developer world have told me that the AR kit framework that you can use to develop application AR applications for iOS devices is really quite good, but I am not seeing it get the 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 penetration and mind share that you you might expect i think that you know you think of google daydream uh you think of vive you think of oculus but you don't you, and you think of hololens from microsoft but i don't and i think a lot of people don't associate apple with ar vr right now no. so i think that it's going to be enough of a buzz when they finally release a non-trash can pc <laughs> It's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that AR VR is going to be a massive part of that media blitz. For sure. No. Um, and I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And actually it, it, it actually kind of touches on one of the things that I was going to mention. Um, I do think we are going to be uh, seeing a massive expansion with um, especially augmented reality. Um I mean, virtual reality is is definitely taking off, but I think we're going to see a lot more with AR uh, this this year. AR has always felt like the more practical approach and the more the wider approach that gives you the, the you know the, the most amount of applications. Like I can see yep. AR happening in all sorts of business and industries. Yep. VR has limited entertainment applications, I think. Yeah, and Apple, um, their supplier Quanta, just. Um, uh, made a big deal, uh, a huge um, partnership with um, Loomis. Um, they they do the optics um, for um, augmented reality glasses. Oh, interesting. That, yeah, so I think I think you're you're spot on with with Apple kind of getting into that a little bit more. Um, but just in general, I think AR is going to see a big push this year. Agreed. Agreed. Is it mine or yours? Whose turn is uh, it? Your, it's my turn. It's yours. Okay. Yeah. So this is after the Fox buyout from Disney. I think Disney's mm -hmm. going to pull all their content from Netflix this year. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. They've hinted it at, as such, I think. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. I think all the Star Wars, all, every, everything, it's all going to go away. Yeah. yeah. I think if, if, if they're smart, because it's obvious they want to get into the streaming game, Disney owns Hulu now. So That's right. I, I think that they will transition Hulu to be their native Disneyfied streaming service. Right on. 
Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> For sure. Um, trying to think. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more smart home uh, products coming out this year. Um, there are certainly plenty out there, especially with, you know, Alexa and, 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 you know, that, that sort of thing. And you have hue lights, you know, that, that sort of yep. thing, but I, I don't know. I think we're just going to see more of that. Um, just more like smart locks or more, um, just, just more things for the home. I think we're going to see more internet of things coming into the home. I agree completely. I think that's going to be a huge area of sales this year. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's become like being able to set this stuff up on your own is getting to is getting to to you know grandma level like it's it's starting to be really easy. Um, one little sort of detail about that is: did you know that uh, HomePod, the 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 device that Apple is selling, has been delayed quite a bit? Uh, oh, yeah, really? they have a. A whole ecosystem that they've been working on and they do the they do sort of unlike amazon with the echo they have gone specifically to manufacturers of devices and to get them certified to work with with home kit right whereas amazon has just sort of like tried to cast a wide net and make as many things work as possible and they seem like they've yeah. been pretty successful with that apple is in in no surprise whatsoever, fairly exclusive with those they'll give the licensing uh, contracts to. Mm -hmm. However, when that comes out, there's going to be a, a, I mean, it's just the Apple effect. There's going to be a giant amount of sales generated simply because Apple pointed in a particular direction. Right. No, I think you're right. Absolutely. So that's all going to be happening. I'll bet you first or second quarter of this year. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Um, I think... I think those are all the ones that I had. I have one more. It's kind of two mixed in into one. Do it. Okay. At least one new AAA game is going to release this year with same day Windows, Mac OS, and Linux support. Ooh. And I think that that is going to fuel into a perception that by the end of 2018, Vulcan is the clear graphics stack winner right on i think it's gonna slay DirectX 12 slay apple's metal and just become so dominant that it will be silly to write to anything else right on that would be cool did you see that thing about uh fuchsia the, the we talked about it a while ago the the google's new operating system uh fuchsia no Interesting stuff. They've recently ported it to work on the new Pixel Book. Mm -hmm. It's a it's not a easy process to do, and it's not. Turns out it actually destroys the thumb drive you have to make in order to do so. Oh no! Yeah, some for some <laughs> reason, but they are actively working on it, despite it being in the open. It's a very secretive project. But this is a uh, this this is a you know a new operating system that Google is ostensibly working on to sort of marry Chrome OS and Android into a, into a single thing. Interesting. What's interesting about it is the entire rendering function, the like the entire graphical function of this operating system. I forget what the name of that 
suite of tools is, but it's 100% written in Vulcan. Nice. Right on. So there's really foundational things that are targeting Vulcan already. Next generation projects that I I just think it's going to be absolutely slayed. I think it's going to absolutely slay the competition. (laughs) Right on. Very cool. Which is good because, you know, these are all really positive things. And we have started 2018 in a real fucking shit show. And we're on record now. So next year, when none of these turn out to be true, you can (laughs) hold our feet to the fire and call us out on our bullshit. (laughs) That's what you've always wanted. Just like you've always wanted. That was pretty good. I think we should I think we should do the end again. Um, But I think that was an awesome episode. Okay. Let me turn this. That, dude, yeah, that was a fucking top-notch episode. Right on. Nice and tight, too. Tight, yeah. Yeah, uh, cruising. And bring this up. Okay, let's do that outro one more time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, please hit us up at our Twitter. Uh, mine is at Kaliali11, uh, Chris at Fluxola. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, hit, up, hit us up on our website, shinypodcast.com. Uh, tune in next week for, uh, for our next episode. Oh, also, if you wouldn't mind reviewing us on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, it goes a long way to, uh, to getting more listeners, and it's great for us. Yes, it turns out that the whole podcasting universe looks at iTunes as the central authority for everything that is happening and that is new and cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, greatly appreciate it. But again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, This is Colin signing off. This is Christopher. I love your face. Have a great new year. And patch your fucking shit. Oh my god, apply those patches, please. Ah, bro. 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 That was beautiful. Bro, bro, beautiful, bro. That was beautiful, bro. (laughs) Beautiful.